Candace Lim. And I'm Rachel Anthem, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And Rachel, I have something to confess tonight on the podcast. Ooh, doing confessions already? I'm ready. Tell me, what is it? I used to be a really big Chainsmokers fan. Oh my god. I didn't I didn't know people were fans of them. I thought, I'm not going to lie, kind of thought they were a psyop. <laughs> and like, uh, if you don't know who we're talking about, we are talking about the duo who made the song Closer with Halsey. So baby, pull me closer in the backseat of your rover that I know you can't afford. Bite that tattoo on your shoulder. The only Chainsmokers song I could probably name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it gets worse, Rachel, because I I think I'm kind of still a fan. Wait, they're still around? They're still making music? To be fair, the last time they were kind of in the mainstream culture is because one half of the Chainsmokers is Drew Taggart. He was photographed with Selena Gomez walking down the street in New York City holding hands. But that's kind of over, which is good because honestly, no Chainsmoker headlines means it's a good day for me. I mean, I'm sure that there's so much drama in the Chainsmokers fandom man i bring this up because you know in high school i was unfortunately of bad taste i was very into the chain smokers but it kind of made me wonder like rachel do you remember what you were into in high school i see that you're trying to bring me into your confession era um, come in the booth but yes unfortunately i have already confessed to everything on this podcast so okay. longtime listeners will know that i am and was an emo pop punk girly i mm-hmm. fully had the fingerless fishnet gloves the uh heavy eyeliner that i did not take off at night everything was just very dark but it was also pop punk so it wasn't that dark all of this to say Haley williams could literally run me over with a car and i would say <laughs> thank you mother oh my god wait and also you just want to see paramore live right like what was that yes. like Yes, I did. This is the first time I've ever seen them live. I felt um, a part of my inner child heal. I'm not going to lie. Good. I got my life. I'm Mm. not going to lie. It just, it was incredible. She pulled up a black girl for the misery business part. And I truly, I felt something heal within me. For people (laughs) who don't know, at every single Paramore concert, whenever they played misery business, They bring a fan up onto the stage to sing the bridge. And yeah, she picked a black girl at the audience. Shout out to you, Bianca. (laughs) (laughs) Bianca is living. I mean, that is the representation we want to see in our emo inner children. And Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of you and happy that you got to have that experience. I mean... Will you go to another Paramore concert if they were to tour again? Oh, undoubtedly. I will say, though, that this is my first big concert since the pandemic. I've seen people, but they've mostly been smaller acts. I'm not convinced that the children know how to go to concerts. I was sitting behind people who I assumed to be Zoomers, and they did not move 
their shoulders at all. They mm-hmm. just sat there filming without dancing. And I'm like, how are you not getting your life to Haley Williams singing still into you? How are you not getting your life to that's what you get? What is going on here? Why are you here right now? (laughs) This is my most kids these days rant. (laughs) I know. I mean, it is kind of sad and frustrating because, look, I... I was in this pandemic too. I understand. But my best comparison is like, I had a friend when I was a teen who like never sang in the car. Like I would sing to the radio and she would be silent, two hands on the wheels, nine to five. And one day I asked her like, hey, do you just like not want to sing with me? Is it like you're like intimidated? And she's like, no, I never sing period. (laughs) And I was like, uh oh. I mean, it's like when you find out there's some people out there who don't have internal monologues and you're just kind of like, oh, I don't know what that's like. Sometimes you just realize the variety of human experience. And this is one of those times. I'm Mm -hmm. just like, you know what? Do you live your best life? You're not harming anyone. You were just so incomprehensible to me as a person that it stuns me. And you know what, though? This makes me want to go to a concert with you, Rachel. So let's just like put that on the calendar. Let's go see the Chainsmokers. (gasps) (laughs) Let's let's revisit the act we'll go see. You know what? In the meantime... We have a show to do, and today's show is brought to you by you guys. Wait, before we do this, though, I do have an important question for you. Another confession I need you to make. What's up? You know the little thing that shows you that someone has read your message? Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce that? I call it a red receipt. You know, the red receipt community did need representation oh my god podcast because i am a read receipt girl <gasps> so this is edward and jacob all over again oh my god it really is, it really is. we're just on opposite sides <laughs> <laughs> like it's giving lancaster and york it's mm. giving capulet and montague we mm-hmm. are gonna come together to create the tudor dynasty at some point yes but <laughs> As you can probably tell, today's episode is a read receipts slash mailbag episode. After a short break, Candace and I will be answering all of y'all's burning questions about the recently closed chapter of Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy, children sitting in first class on airplanes, and the power of anime Twitter. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In 2007... TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together and we were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. And we're back. 
I want to see the receipts. Our first question comes from Daylin, who sent us a DM over on Twitter. They said, checking in to ask for the tea on the Taylor Swift, Maddie Healy drama. Thanks for still being the best pod. I appreciate the work you do so much. Well, first, Daylin, thank you so much. That's so sweet. Second, I guess it's finally time for us to talk about this story that's been brewing for a few months now, if not years. It feels like years. It's only been a month. And it's somehow still going in that just a few hours before we recorded this podcast, TMZ reported that Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy have broke up. (laughs) (laughs) So... I I don't know. I feel like people are still catching up. Honestly, I'm still catching up. All of y'all know my feelings about Taylor Swift at this point. And the only Maddie Healy song I know is It's Not Living If It's Not With You. So, mm-hmm. Candace, what are your feelings? What do you know about Maddie Healy? Um, So, Maddie Healy is the lead singer of this like British alt-rock band called The 1975. And I mainly know them from their song Chocolate, which came out in 2013. If you were, like, conscious of pop culture in 2013, you might also remember there was a rising country star at the time by the name of Taylor Swift, who just came out with Red. And as one disgraced Justin Timberlake once said, what goes around comes around. Because there were rumors that Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift were dating. Those rumors have now ended with another allegedly, (laughs) because they have allegedly broken up. But I just got to say, this whole time, I was like... This is the darker, less hygienic Benefer of 2023. Much like Benefer, the relationship between Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy had a bit of history before this year. Allegedly, Taylor and Maddie met in November of 2014 and exchanged numbers as people do. At the time, he told an Australian radio station, I mean, bloody hell, what am I going to do? Go out with Taylor Swift? She's a sensation. I wouldn't say no. They're then seen wearing each other's merch. Relationship rumors swirl, they tend to do. But these rumors are swiftly <laughs> <laughs> quashed by none other than Healy himself in 2016. In an interview with Q Magazine, he suggests that it would be emasculating to date Swift. Going so far as to say, fucking hell, I am not being Taylor Swift's boyfriend. You know, fuck that. That's also a man thing, a demasculinating, emasculating thing. One of those words is not real. I know. And like this back and forth is just not that surprising because, you know, before the rumors of Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift dating, he was very much in the headlines. He was doing stuff like eating raw meat on stage or encouraging his audience to chant that COVID isn't real. And he would like kiss fans during his shows Mm -hmm. a lot. And a few of those moments that we're talking about, they've gone viral. Like for example, uh, he kissed a male fan in Dubai, even though Dubai has very strict anti LGBTQ laws. And then back in November, he like checked a 22 year old woman's ID, made sure all was good. And then he, like, gave her her first kiss. (laughs) Like, on one level, I'm happy for that 22-year-old. Because 
most people's first kisses are either not memorable or so memorable that they wish that they weren't. And mm-hmm. I feel like she got a memorable one that she'll be happy to have. Totally. But I can't help feeling like every single time I see Maddie Healy, all I think is that he's just a perfect embodiment of some dude. Yeah. Like he is the most some dude dude I have ever been forced to familiarize myself with. He smoked heroin and I don't have to say allegedly because he admitted to that. <laughs> He's friends with the hosts of the podcast Red Scare and Come Town, which Mm-mm. are shows that embody the horseshoe theory of being so far left that they just end up being right back at being racist, you know? Mm, yeah, and speaking of racist... Oh my God, that's my favorite beginning of a sentence. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, one of Maddie Healy's targets of his racist comments, at least his passive support of racist comments, was Ice Spice, who we recently discussed on this show with Sydney Madden from NPR's Louder Than a Riot. And on a now-deleted Come Town podcast episode... Maddie mentioned that he messaged Ice Spice once on Instagram and the hosts of Come Town then went on this like extended bit speculating about Ice Spice and her ethnicity. They called her an Inuit Spice Girl and a chubby Chinese lady. I hated saying this. And they even like imitated Chinese and Hawaiian accents and Healy seemed very audibly amused. Now... Healy has issued some type of an apology over this podcast appearance. I mean, he was at a New Zealand concert and he said, quote, I spice. I'm sorry. It's not because I'm annoyed that my joking got misconstrued. It's because I don't want I spice to think I'm a dick. I love you. I spice. End quote. Which is Funny in hindsight, because in a recent profile written by none other than Gia Tolentino, Maddie basically walked back that regret. In case Mm -hmm. you haven't noticed, there's a lot of walking forward and walking back with (laughs) Maddie Healy. He said that he baited his fans, quote, a little bit with his Ice Spice comments and then said, but it doesn't actually matter. Nobody is sitting there at night slumped at their computer and their boyfriend comes over and goes, what's wrong, darling? And they go, it's just this thing with Maddie Healy. That doesn't happen. To which I say, Maddie, have you heard of fans? Mm. That is exactly what happens. But the real question is, why does any of this matter? Why are we still talking about this man? Mm -hmm. I mean, look, when Olivia Rodrigo said one step forward, three steps back, she was definitely talking about Maddie Healy. She was. Because now we're going to jump back to the Taylor Swift timeline. All right, Rachel, where did we leave off? I believe Maddie was saying that it would be emasculating to date Taylor. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Um, Well, clearly something changed between 2016 and 2023. One of those things is that Taylor actually broke up with her longtime boyfriend, Joe Alwyn, the actor. And I have to admit, I remember exactly where I was when I heard this. And I got to say the Swifties, the Swifties were dismayed. The thing is, they had no idea what was coming for them. Oh, they wish it was just a breakup. Because soon after the news broke of Alwyn and Swift's breakup, rumors started spreading that Healy and Swift were dating. And at first, these are very roundly dismissed because 
Despite their earlier flirtations, in the past few years, Swift's reputation and Healy's reputation have diverged a fair amount. Also because mm-hmm. The Sun was the first to report this relationship. And I don't know if you know anything about the British tabloid The Sun, but um, take everything they write with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But turns out they were right. You know, broken <laughs> clock twice a day. <laughs> In May, Healy added a song back to the 1975 set list called She's American, which um, I don't know if you know this, but Taylor Swift is American. Mm-hmm. Um, then during one of his shows in the Philippines, some fans noticed Healy mouth something like this one's about you you know who you are I love you (laughs) dramatic a day later he is seen at a Taylor Swift concert in Nashville which means that this man flew from the Philippines to Nashville for a concert of someone who was allegedly a friend a friend Mm. who allegedly Mm. mouths the exact same message of this one's about you you know who you are I love you (laughs) During her performance. (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, look, a day after this, things get worse. Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift are seen in the back of a car together. And this is when the Swifties unionize. They unionize. (laughs) They're agitated. And I have to say, I kind of love this part. On May 17th, a group of Swifties, they circulated and wrote an open letter urging other fans to hashtag speak up now. Uh, And it's basically just about Taylor and Maddie. They wrote some pretty great lines. I'm going to read some right now. Number one. He has been involved in acts and controversies that deeply trouble us. Mm, You know, they kind of brought up his past offenses. And short of asking Swift and Healy to like literally break up, the fans continue. We urge you, Taylor, to reflect on the impact of your own and your associates behavior and engage in genuine self-reflection. I'm going to say Taylor did engage in some self-reflection because... Mm. All hell breaks loose a few weeks later when Taylor releases a remix of her song Karma with none other than Ice Spice. Karma is a fire in your house, and she bout to pop up unannounced, and she never leaving you alone. Watch her put your ops on a throne. Which brilliant move on Ice Spice's part. She continues to be like so savvy. Slightly sus move on Taylor's, given the racist podcast of it all. (laughs) Yeah. And I think this is good news for us because that's pretty much where it ends. I mean, look, there were more sightings after that of Maddie and Taylor, neither publicly confirmed the relationship. And now they're broken up. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. And look, I'm not going to say we did it, but I'm going to say we did it, Joe. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about babies flying first class and how a man by the name of Bigalus Diggalus made a four-year-old book go viral. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, y'all. If you love our podcast, then please consider subscribing to Slate Plus. When you subscribe to Slate Plus, you get no ads on the Slate podcast, including your favorite one, in case you missed it. You'll also be supporting the show. ICYMI would not be possible without the support of Slate Plus subscribers. You will also get bonus segments or episodes on shows like the new season of Slow Burn, all about Clarence Thomas. It's incredible. Don't you want extra? You'll also get bonus segments or episodes on other shows like Working, Mom and Dad are Fighting, Big Moo, Little Mood, so many shows. And you'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means you get access to every single article and advice column on Slate without ever hitting that paywall. Just visit slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That is slate.com slash ICYMI plus. And we're back. All right, Rachel. Be honest with me. What are your thoughts about babies on airplanes? I feel like this is, you know, when there are topics that come up every six months on Twitter and you Mm -hmm. think, why the fuck does anyone care about this? This is one of those (laughs) topics because the thing is, they're babies. Like they literally do not have majority of their motor function available to them because they are children. And also it's an airplane, which we all know at this point is one of the most miserable experiences you have to have regularly as an adult, Mm -hmm. along with going to the gynecologist if you have a uterus. Mm -hmm. So my primary opinion is honestly that I'm jealous of babies on airplanes because they get to yell and I don't because that's not allowed because I have a fully developed prefrontal cortex i think that's unfair that's honestly what that's the truth (laughs) of how i feel about babies on airplanes (laughs) no i agree with you i actually love when babies are on my plane there's just something about the fact that they get to scream what i cannot so i align with you on that but also flying on a plane is literally like going to the dmv it's lawless and there are Mm -hmm. no standard rules for human behavior and above everything else I always kind of tend to fall on the side of like, just let kids be kids. Yeah, that is truly the best thing you can probably say because they're children. <laughs> but some people aren't aren't as uh, nice as us. And by some people, I mean one specific person recently went viral with a very hot take about babies on airplanes. This took over my entire Twitter feed this weekend. So mm-hmm. I am very ready to discuss this. It all started last Thursday when Nigerian-American rapper Chika decided to post a little thread, as one does Mm -hmm. occasionally. I'm going to read this because I don't think I have the capacity to summarize it. And that is not a dig on myself. That is just a testament to this text. The lady next to me who thought it would be a good idea to buy herself and your twin infants first class seats on a red eye flight who just woke me up bringing your screaming bastard to our seats to soothe her. I just bought $34 Wi-Fi at 4 a.m. to call you a stupid bitch. (laughs) It keeps going. P.S. I hate you and hope you get a paper cut between each finger tomorrow, you senseless wench. Uh... Like, are you literally mentally delayed? 
What makes you think a one-year-old will shut their bitch ass up on a seven-hour flight that takes off at one fucking a.m.? You already had them up past bedtime. I don't care the circumstance. Take your ass to economy at least. (laughs) I'm so pissed off right now. I already had trouble falling asleep. And as soon as I do, you bring the consequence of your sexual promiscuity into my life. I got noise cancellation on and I still woke up. Fuck you, ho. (laughs) Choke. (laughs) Candace, how do you feel about all this so far? Ah, it, there's so many lines that kind of stick out to me. First one, paper cut between each finger. Ah, uh, I did not like the mentally delayed. That was not a, that was not a good bar. No. Um, there's just so much in this text and I don't feel great about it. That's the perfect place to be. And the thing is, it's not over. Oh, people had the exact response you had to this thread because it goes viral immediately. And that is because it is to be polite, unhinged, calling children bastards, being mad at babies flying first class, telling their mother to choke, paper cut again, paper cut between the (laughs) fingers. Also, why does the Wi-Fi cost $34? There's a lot of questions I have. It's rude for no reason. And that's pretty much exactly what people say. Chica gets dragged left and right, up and down, across Twitter. So much so that she says she has to reach out to her therapist. She goes on Instagram and says that she was experiencing a manic episode and that if she hadn't tweeted, she could have had a panic attack. I'm not going to comment on that except to say that if being in the presence of a crying child triggers you that deeply, perhaps it is you who should not be flying. Mm, Yeah. And I'm also just a little surprised that if you have access to first class, you don't get Wi-Fi for free. That's actually that's weird. I didn't like that. So many questions. (laughs) Exactly. But you know what? This story really takes a turn for the uh, I don't even know the word because it's not worse. It's like chaotic. Uh, Mm -hmm. Anyway, the mother of one of the infants that Chica cussed out, she comes forward and it's none other than Zonique Pullins, who is the daughter of rapper T.I. and escape member Tiny Harris. Okay, I will say. I was wondering who could afford to not only fly first class, but fly their babies first class. I was like, that that right there is a rich bitch. And you know what? <laughs> True. I was mm-hmm. correct. Exactly. Like, T.I. definitely has those frequent flyer miles. Anyway, so <laughs> Zanique shares a video of these two adorable babies. They're sitting first class. They have, like, little headphones on. And she writes, wait, I'm in tears. Not Chikaboo was mad my child was cutting up in first class. Cry emoji, cry emoji, cry emoji, cry emoji. You should have just sat there and been mad, babe. She's sky priority AF. And Tiny, the grandmother, she responds. And she says, yeah. She's talking about my MF and grandbaby, talking like she wasn't supposed to be in the first class or something. TF. The plot twist of these babies basically being music royalty is the plot twist that I could have never expected and yet I'm so glad exists. Oh, and like there's like more. Uh, of course. So the other infant was a niece who is related to Zonique's child. And she was the one crying on the plane, according to her mother. Tamara Zachary and Tamara explained the entire thing on Instagram and I am just going to read this poetry quote I truly thought an overnight flight would be the best B 
being the girls would sleep straight through it after wearing them out. And honestly, it worked until my two-year-old niece woke up startled in pure darkness, forgetting where she was. So I comforted her, kissed her, and rocked her back to sleep. It may have looked like a bit of a struggle because I'm also five months pregnant. Bystanders never give concern to the mom who was actually having to deal with a crying baby while worrying about the grown ass too. It's really the worst feeling. And then this bitch, who was never even supposed to be sitting next to me, goes on her phone and rants and calls my niece a bastard and a little bitch. And she continues. I can't wait to see this hoe on the next first class flight. It's on. I mean, the thing is, she's not wrong. Like, I mean, I don't <laughs> condone violence, but also people complaining about crying babies don't make any sense to me because if you're stressed about a crying baby, who do you think is more stressed? You or the parent of the crying baby or yeah. even the crying baby. The crying baby's clearly stressed out. Mm-hmm. I just feel like no one ever like wants to fly with a child under the age of 10 if they can avoid it. So usually there's some reason that it's happening and we should all give a little bit more grace to everybody involved. But back to Chica, who deletes her tweets and locks her Twitter, as as one does. She responds on Instagram writing, stay mad. Being upset at a person ranting about an annoying baby that woke them up at 4 a.m. is a cute way to make you feel like you're morally superior to someone. You're literally not. Like I've been saying, I wasn't rude to her, and that's what I'm good with. I have the decency to be mad externally somewhere else. My only mistake was doing it on Twitter. I don't feel bad because the response is disproportionate to the mistake. But like, do your thing, internet. Y'all already ain't like me. This ain't nothing new. You know, if they didn't like her before, they definitely don't now. Mm-mm. And that's the end of this story. I need a palate cleanser. Please tell me we have something else. <laughs> we do. And this is our final question. And it's something I actually didn't know about until just now. So I'm very intrigued. This question comes from AJ, who writes... Hi, ICYMI. I kept seeing everyone on Twitter talk about the name Bigalus Dickalus Wolfwood, but had no context. I got a little context that involves a book review from an anime account that exploded. I feel y'all would do a great job explaining if anyone else gets confused seeing Bigalus Dickalus Wolfwood on their feed. Okay. Great, great, great <laughs> question. Uh, Rachel, <laughs> where do we begin? Where? Do we begin? I love this story. It combines so many of my favorite things. First off, this person's name is not really Bigless Dickless. I know. (laughs) Shocking to everyone involved. He prefers to go by his Twitter handle, which is at Mask of Bun. And Mask of Bun is a 22-year-old fan of the anime series Trigun. Mm. Is that anime series like where Bigless Dickless comes from? Yes, I am I am assuming so because okay. there's a character in Trigun, I learned this while researching, named Nicholas D. Wolfwood. And I I I trust our listeners to put the rest together. Mm. So on a random weekend, Maskabun was on Twitter, tweeting as one does, and decided to tweet about a queer science fiction book called This Is How You Lose the Time War. 
It's written by Amal El Motar and Max Gladstone. And basically, Maskabun was hyping up the book and saying, go read it. Bigolith Dickless tweets, read this. Do not look up anything about it. Just read it. It's only like 200 pages. You can download it on Audible. It's only like four hours. Do it right now. I'm very extremely serious. In a follow-up tweet, they continue, grabs you personally by the throat. You will do this for me. You will go to the counter at Barnes & Noble. You will buy this. I will be greatly rewarded. The tweet goes so viral. Right now it has 18.3 million views and 14.2 thousand retweets. There's a lot. One of those is mine because I saw this tweet and was like, what a great recommendation. I would read that. Oh my God. That's so funny. I mean, like, is Mask of Bun famous on Twitter? Does he have like a bunch of followers? Is he a bookstagram or anything like that? No, he currently has 53,000 followers right now, though I think some of that is from going viral. By all accounts, his account is basically a Trigun stan account. But his tweet got picked up by people who were also commenting that they loved the book. And a bunch of people also bookmarked it. 92,000 people who were just like, yeah, you know what? I do need a new book recommendation. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. I mean, like, the story has to continue. What happened after this tweet, like, blew up? So this book, which was published in 2019 immediately basically ran back up the charts and hit number three on Amazon's bestsellers list that week, which is an incredible bit of guerrilla marketing. (laughs) I mean, it kind of reminds me of like Lizzo and her song Truth Hurts because like it came out in 2017 Mm -hmm. and then it came back a few years later into radio play. And then Truth Hurts won a Grammy in 2020. Like that is the definition of a comeback, just like this. And I feel like we should also mention that Massive Bun didn't write the book he's not getting paid to tweet about it or anything like that no he just really likes the book and it's one of those really earnest recommendations that clearly you know got a lot of people going Mm -hmm. including me (laughs) and one of the authors amal she talked about it with slate's own dan coys and basically just said some really nice words about how organic and random this all was which it's very sweet. I, I love it. It's it's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think something I love about the story and this question is just that it's kind of beautiful that we're talking about two people who didn't really know each other and they ended up promoting works that neither of them created because mm-hmm. Mask of Bun tweeted about this book he loved. The person who wrote the book, Amal, then ends up thinking about diving into the Trigun series just because the fandom clearly has some overlapping audience and they loved Mask of Bun's tweets and like bought her book. It's kind of like book talk, but on Twitter. And I would argue a bit more wholesome and also involves another book talk fave because on the cover of this book is a recommendation from none other than Madeline Miller, who, if you know, you know, Song of Achilles I'm going to give y'all a recommendation. Destroyed me. Buy it now. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like so funny because when it comes to book talk, truly some of the worst books I have ever read in my life came to me 
via book talk hype. So oh. after that, <laughs> I have really decided to only trust the taste of like three people in my life to tell me what's actually worth reading. So maybe for the Trigun community, Mask of Bun, aka Bigalus Dickless himself, is that person. Honestly, should any of us ever write a book, may we all have a Bigalus Dickless in our life. All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss a mailbag episode. Please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Tell your Trigun stands about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMinderscorePod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like the ones that we read in today's episode. And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Rachel Hampton, and me, Candace Lim. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online. Or on an airplane with a baby.